In the middle of a crisis, planned giving doesn't naturally come up in a fundraiser's mind to start thinking about, but it should. In today's podcast, Richard and I talk with Veritas Group's Director of Planned Giving Services, Bob Schaffes. He will help us understand why in a crisis, solid planned giving strategies can help your organization now and well into the future. Welcome to the Nothing But Major Gifts podcast from Veritas Group, featuring Richard Perry and Jeff Schreifels. Twice a month, we bring you the latest and best thinking about major gift fundraising, so you can develop authentic relationships with your major donors. Here are your hosts, Richard and Jeff. Welcome to our podcast today. I have Richard Perry with me, and Richard, we have with us today our Director of Plan Giving Services, Bob Schaffes, because we felt no one is talking about plan giving in the midst of this crisis we're all in. I know, I know. I'm, and I mean, uh, we've heard absolutely nothing about it. In, in fact, I myself was thinking, okay, now, you know what, planned giving, that's kind of a future thing. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, uh, so I don't, I don't know why we'd be talking about that. And then Bob's kind of in the background there screaming at yeah. us saying, hang on a second, don't forget about planned giving. Yeah. So we said, well, let's get him on and we'll talk to him about it and see what we do in terms of planned giving in this uh, in this crisis. So, so Bob, thanks so much for, for joining us. Good to be here. Uh, these are interesting days. Uh, we've all been around long enough to have experienced two or three stock market crashes, uh, the Great mm-hmm. Recession, 9-11. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the things that is a, a, a common element for, with, with each of those is that planned giving as one of the key forms of fundraising has been important to help organizations get through those times and to plan even better for the future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Bob, help us out here. Like when, when, when you're in a crisis like this, like we're in today, it's like I said earlier, most people are not thinking about planned giving. So why should we think about it and what should people do now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, there's, there's, there's two or three answers to that. Uh, one doesn't really help the money in the door right now, which is, uh, and I alluded to this a moment ago, organizations that have done planned giving in the past are well positioned to get through a crisis like this successfully. Uh, part of the reason is that they have uh, invested in planned giving. And so planned giving has helped them build mm-hmm. uh, either reserves or an endowment or something mm-hmm. along those lines that keeps money coming into the organization. The The stock market may have gone down, but there's still money coming from mm-hmm. investments and, and funds like that. Uh, the other piece is that planned giving donors <clears throat> don't run out to their attorney every time there's a blip in the stock market. They don't change their estate plans and their wills every time there's an economic uh, issue. And so one of the things that's important to know is that as you continue to maintain relationships with your donors, they're going to continue to support your organization through the plan gifts that they've already created. Now, the other part of the answer to that is let's talk a little bit as we go forward here about using some plan giving techniques to help get money in the door today. Because Mm -hmm. if you're talking to your donors about um, their tax deductions, the availability of different types of uh, uh, plan giving and tax-wise techniques to create gifts that will come in the door today, that's going to help you uh, maintain uh, a good cash flow. Mm -hmm. 
That'd be very valuable. I mean, that, in fact, that's probably what people are saying to themselves right now. Okay, now I'm starting to see how this applies to me right now in these times. So give us give us those ideas. Well, let's uh, talk first a bit, uh, a little bit about um, how you're communicating plan giving concepts to your um, uh, donor base. You don't want to run out and send out an email that says, oh, my God, this is terrible. Remember us in your wills right now. Uh, I've heard that some organizations have actually done something like that in the past couple of weeks. And I think that one of the things that's important is to just continue to talk in a very positive nature and in an almost passive nature about the importance of plan giving to your organization. Uh, a lot of your donors are coming to your website right now. Right. And if you have available uh, in a very uh, apparent way information about plan giving, about estate planning and all those type of things, people will come to your website and that's where what you want them to see. Another thing that I think you want them to see are good, very positive donor stories about plan giving. What stories can you put up on your website to talk about a donor who has successfully done a planned gift and how happy they are with it? Or a, a story about somebody who had created a planned gift and made a very substantial gift to the organization after they passed away and the effect that that had on the organization. The other thing on the, the website uh, is to um, have some links to a very simple form of bequest. For example, mm -hmm. something that somebody can print out and take to their attorney if they're actually going forward and doing some estate planning. So if you have those things on your website right now, it's a very positive way of communicating to your donors uh, what type of planned uh, gift opportunities right. there are. So those are passive ways that you can approach it right now that are acceptable in this time. What about what do you do with your you know, your current caseload, your portfolio right now? Well, I think I think that uh, one of the things that we don't want to do is stop asking people to make a gift. No, we don't. Uh, I think you can do it in a great way. You can do it in a very positive way. There's the old Michael Jordan quote. You uh, you will miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take. Right. And so we need to make sure that you continue to um, maintain relationships that lead to solicitations uh, for your donors. Now, how that happens, I think, is one of the things that's um, um, different in this uh, particular environment, because I think if you have a, uh, a list of names that you're working with on plan giving, one of the things you should probably be doing right now is looking at those uh, names and trying to figure out how you're going to maintain contact with them. And in what ways? Which of the people on your list uh, have computers and you know that you can maintain uh, perhaps a video uh, relationship with them? Mm -hmm. Which of them are names that uh, you can maintain a telephone relationship with? How do you make sure that you know which ones you're going to contact and how you're going to contact? Well, tell us, oh, like, what were you what would you say to these donors. So you're calling them. What are you talking to them about? What is it? What does it sound like? The first thing I would say is, hey, I just wanted to call you and check out, check in with you. Yeah. How are you doing yeah. at this time? This is a really difficult time for a lot of people. You and I have known each other for a long time. I just wanted to call and check and see how you're doing. 
Mm-hmm. That would be the first thing I'd say. And maybe that would be the entire content of the first call. Yeah. And then a, a follow-up call uh, in a few days or in a week or so would be, you know, I really want to maintain uh, a relationship between you and me and this charity. And so let's talk about some ways that we can do that. Because if you are uh, a person with a good uh, uh, knowledge base in computers, let's talk about how I can send you invitations to video links and that we can not only talk face to face, but I can share some videos, uh, some um, uh, other things that are specific to this institution. So I can continue to keep you looped in to the organization. If the person is somebody you can only talk to on the phone and you probably can't do those type of things, at least you can develop a strategy that determines who is going to call this person, when they're going to call the person. And with all of these people, let's not forget that we probably need to ask them to make a commitment to the organization. And how that happens is going to differ depending on the contact plans. If you can do it via a video link, great. That's going to be a much more personal way than simply doing it on a phone call or a conference call. Yeah. And I mentioned conference call because... You can link in other individuals into these calls. So if uh, you were going to ask this person for uh, a significant uh, planned gift commitment, the fundraiser and possibly somebody else from the organization, the CEO, the Mm -hmm. board chair, whoever that person might be. Well, it could be someone from program. It could be someone from program in a program that they're interested in, too. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Because I've worked some places uh, where there were a lot of scientists working and those were the key people to bring in, not the CEO or the uh, board member, but to have one of the scientists on board to talk about the science program that this individual was uh, interested in. And, you know, let's not forget about the people who have already made a plan gift commitment. Mm-hmm. And we need to steward them. And I, I would do the same type of analysis. Who are the people that we can steward via a video link and mm-hmm. keep them really involved in that way? Uh, who are the people who need phone calls? And then what are the other opportunities that we have to maintain those connections? Because one of the things sure. we know is that half the people mm-hmm. who have made some type of plan gift commitment may not follow through with them. And one of the things that we need to do is really make sure that that stewardship piece continues on. So on this point of donor contact, Jeffrey, you you and I and and, and Bob's heard about this, too. But we've experienced over the last two to three weeks, I mean, a great deal of receptivity to to. uh, Yeah. On the part of donors Mm -hmm. talking to uh, fundraisers, frontline people, MGOs. Especially now, everyone's at home. Right. I mean, they're at home and they, they're they answering their phone. They're they're very receptive They're And they're they're wanting to talk, not just get you off the phone. They really want to have conversations with you at this time. Well, so, yeah. And there's a story of that 94 year old woman. I mean, this 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 really struck me. She she apparently is, is someone that has capacity. She was giving twenty five thousand dollars a year to the organization. And the major gift person talked to her and she said, you know what? I, I am so glad to be talking to you. You're the first person of the organizations I support, the first organization that's actually contacted me. I really appreciate that. 
And the call went really well. And then the, the following week, another $25,000 showed up from her. I mean, so, so the point you're making, Bob, is like, get on the phone, talk to these people. Get on the phone, talk to them. And, and I have heard from a number of people that not only are people picking up the phone and talking, if they're not there, they're returning the call. Exactly. Now, that's that's something that uh, a lot of uh, major gift officers and plan gift officers haven't experienced in their career. Uh, people who are happily calling them back. And um, like you said, people are at home. They're looking at um, uh, things to uh, do and they want to talk. A lot of people are isolated. You know, if you're looking at your uh, 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 list of donors, who do you know is alone? <clears throat> those are the people that really want to talk to those are the people who probably need a call to yeah. see how they're doing. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I mentioned earlier using planned gift techniques to get some direct gifts. Right. And uh, one of the things that uh, about plan giving that uh, I think not everybody really gets is that a lot of the tax techniques and a lot of the other techniques that are used um, uh, can really uh, be used to, not only create direct gifts, but to create larger gifts uh, than would be otherwise uh, done with simply cash. So let me just talk about two or three of those um, ideas uh, briefly. Uh, and that'll be part of uh, a greater webinar that uh, we're doing in a couple of weeks. Yeah. But um, gifts of stock can always have a bigger impact uh, on a donor uh, in terms of their deductions and their tax savings than a simple gift of cash. So one of the things that I say uh, when I've uh, taught or when I made presentations is if you ask a donor for a significant gift, let's say $10,000 and they whip out their checkbook. One of the things you should probably say is just a second before you write that check, let's talk for a second because if I can show you a way that you can give more to this organization, and I can put you in the same economic position. Would you consider that? You yeah, know, and then the discussion <laughs> really needs. Well, yeah, and, and then the discussion really needs to move on to what kind of stocks do you have? Do you have highly appreciated stocks? Um, would you consider making a gift of some of those instead of simply the cash? I did some calculations last night, actually, uh, on this issue, and uh, let me give you a sense for what I mean. If you write a check for $10,000, mm -hmm. it's going to cost you, if you're at the 37% uh, tax rate, it's going to cost you $6,300 to make that $10,000 gift because of the $3,700 in tax savings. Right. If you use stock that has a 20% cost basis, so it cost you 20% of uh, its current value, and you were to sell it today, you'd have to pay a capital gains tax. But if you donate that stock, you will actually be able to make a stock gift of something on the order of $13,400 and be in the same economic position as having made that $10,000 cash gift. Wow, that's wow. quite a deal. Yeah. It, it is. And I think that most donors are, especially if they have stocks, uh, are savvy enough to realize what that means. And so I think that discussion is a way of not only um, getting cash in the door right now, getting more mm. in the door right now uh, and helping your donor realize that it's not going to cost them anymore. 
Another technique, um, which um, some organizations view as a planned gift, some organizations view as a major gift technique is uh, the uh, gifts from IRAs through the IRA rollover law. Mm-hmm. That is one of the discussions that I think is really important for a lot of donors right now is that the the IRA is kind of a ready um, source of major gift funds right now. And a lot of people need to hear what those rules are to see if they qualify uh, to make an IRA gift. And of course, the rules are that the uh, donor has to be 70 and a half or older. Uh, they can give up to $100,000 from their IRA. It can only come from an IRA. The distributions, if you were to take a distribution from an IRA without doing this, you'd have to pay taxes on it. But by doing this, IRA rollover directly from the IRA to a charity, you avoid any tax on that distribution. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it also qualifies for your required minimum distribution. Now, the new tax bill, the new uh, stimulus bill, uh, actually suspends the need for required minimum distributions in the year 2020. Uh, but that actually uh, gets into some fairly complicated but very interesting planning opportunities. So if you're uh, the kind of person who has an IRA and are positioned to make this type of gift, this is a great time to talk uh, to your tax advisor about what those options are, because you have some really interesting ways of making significant, in fact, more than, theoretically, more than a $100,000 gift from your IRA right now. Wow. And then one more technique uh, that I'll just mention is simply bundling gifts. This is uh, something that's happened for the past year or two under the tax act that was passed last year. But because of the standard deduction, which is now, I think, $24,800 for a married couple, uh, if you don't make deduct, uh, if you don't have deductions for state and local taxes, mortgage interest, and charitable deductions that exceeds $24,800, then you don't really get a tax benefit right now from uh, your uh, charitable gift. So a lot of people are taking two or three years of charitable gifts and they're all bundling it into one year so they can exceed that standard deduction amount and get greater tax deductions and greater tax benefits from um, uh, their, their charitable gift. And they simply tell the charity, well, you know what? I'm not giving you one year of gifts. I'm giving you three years of gifts. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that is one, uh, another way that uh, is really helpful. Yeah, but if they're but let me ask a question on that one, Bob. If they're yeah. giving three years of gifts, that might be a, a windfall for the charity or the nonprofit now. But then doesn't that sort of like mortgage the future a little bit? Like, well, okay, then then we're out in years two and three. I think the charity has to uh, plan for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can segregate the funds in certain ways so that it perhaps releases them over the course of three years rather than simply uh, uh, accounts for them all in one year. So I think there's some ways around that. Um, People are using donor advised funds a lot to do this as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. And there's the same caveat, which is if somebody puts money into a donor advised fund, which is managed by a community foundation or a financial services firm, um, there's not a guarantee that your organization is going to get those distributions in the future. So you have to talk to your donor and make sure that they understand that you're counting on these funds and how important they are for your organization. Well, Bob, let's, let's the all good stuff. Let's move now to talking about 
in this time, looking at your current database and looking at mm-hmm. potential in your for planned gifts. Is this a good time for that as well? Well, I think this is the ideal time for that because okay. there's a little bit of downtime in a lot of organizations. Uh, if we have an opportunity to take a look at uh, your database, um, I'm, I'm seeing some uh, commonalities in the database uh, analyses that I've been doing. Um, yeah. So let's just step back. You've been look. So we've there's been a number of organizations we've been working with looking at their database and what their plan giving potential is. We do this assessment that you've been working on and you've been looking at almost a dozen now of nonprofits. Mm-hmm. And yeah. what are you finding? Well, um, we're finding that, first of all, uh, there are varying numbers of existing plan gift donors. Uh, some organizations have just a handful. Some organizations have hundreds. Yeah. But I mentioned a few moments ago, I think, that um, we see data now that shows that something on the order of 50% of people who've indicated that they've left something in their state plans to an organization fail to go through with it after they pass away. Yeah. Well, that's kind of an astounding number. If you think that you, you, if you think you have a hundred plan giving donors and at the end of the day, you only end up with 50 of them having gone through with the gift. Well, that's really something. So what this analysis is doing is helping us identify who those people are and building the type of stewardship plans that are going to make sure that they stay connected and to do everything possible to make sure that they don't change their minds or they don't fail to go through with that type of gift. (laughs) Then uh, another piece of the, the data analysis is really looking at the database and trying to figure out how many bequests exist within that database. Right. To your organization that you don't know about. Yeah. And building the, uh, the the structure and the techniques that are necessary in order to get to those people and get them to either self-identify or for you to proactively go to them and say, hey, have you done something in your estate plan for uh, our organization right. and get them to tell you that they've done that because you have some really great plan giving potential especially if you have donors who have given over 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Uh, some of the databases I've seen have donors who've been giving for 40 or more years. Yeah. yeah. And the other key element is that they started 40 years ago, 30 years ago, but they've given, they've continued to give over that uh, time period so that within the past year or two or three, they've continued to make a gift. And one of the things we're looking at is uh, people who've given a large number of gifts, dozens, even hundreds of gifts are really some of the key plan giving people in your organization or the people who have given lots of gifts and have a high value uh, of those gifts over the course of time. Those are those are really the real plan giving potential. Yeah. So if you're listening uh, and you're really interested in, well, what is my plan giving potential? We really urge you to to allow us to actually do this assessment. And it's absolutely free to you. So um, you can go onto our website, actually, at veritasgroup.com. And you'll see an area where I want to um, plan giving assessment. Click on that and we'll give it, get you the information on how to do that. So 
I mean, a lot of organizations have been taking um, advantage of it and we're finding incredible amount of revenue that's that folks don't even know about. Um, I know. I've just been astounded by that, yeah. uh, Jeff and Bob. And it's just like you look at those projections that you're putting out there and it's like, oh, my goodness. Uh, so, I mean, you got you got this. I mean, it's free. There's, yeah. there's really no obligation. And, so. and everyone I've looked at thus far has not hundreds of thousands, but millions of dollars yeah. that are sitting in that database waiting for somebody to ask them. Wow. So, so Bob, about uh, switching subjects here just a little bit now, because uh, uh, so uh, uh, last week uh, or a couple of weeks ago, depending on when this this airs, uh, the, the new CARES Act came out. Yeah. Let me just talk briefly about well, what what are some of the benefits of that, and what uh, you know, what do people know have need to know about that as relates uh, current giving. Well, I, I think that, uh, you know, there are three or four uh, interesting elements uh, to that uh, to specifically apply to individuals. Uh, the one that is um, getting the most uh, play, I think, is the fact that there is a what's called an above the line charitable deduction. We mentioned a little earlier the standard deduction. If you don't have charitable and other deductions that um exceed $24,800 if you're a married couple, then you don't get to take your charitable deduction. Well, this bill has said that even those who take a standard deduction can deduct up to $300 of their charitable gifts. Wow. So that they can get get some benefits. Uh, It's not a huge amount. However, with... uh, uh, your average donor, this is going to be a real benefit because most people in excess of uh, 85 to 90 percent of people don't get to deduct to itemize their deductions anymore right. because of this standard deduction. So most of your donors, 90 percent of your donors are going to benefit by making a charitable gift this year and being able to uh, deduct it next year, even though they don't itemize their deductions. Right. Now, the one thing that's interesting is that it has to be cash, can't be stock or uh, can't be a planned gift or anything along those lines. So it really does benefit the average uh, donor, the average direct mail donor, mm-hmm. uh, the average uh, annual fund donor is going to be able to take uh, um, advantage of this. Yeah. Now, the second uh, individual benefit is that it uh, the bill eliminates the limitations on using the charitable deduction for those who do itemize or gifts of cash. Yeah. The, the law up to this point has been that um, you could only uh, deduct up to 60% of your adjusted gross income. That has been eliminated so that you can deduct up to 100% of your adjusted gross income. So for wow. people who have the type of cash resources, because it has to be cash again, the type of cash resources and really want to make a difference to an organization, this is going to be a great benefit. And if they give in excess of their adjusted gross income, they can carry that charitable deduction forward and use it in future years. Yeah. You have to apply whatever the limitations will be in the future years, but they get to carry that forward for several, uh, for five additional tax years. That's so this awesome. is really going to be a great is, benefit. Yeah, that's really something. I mean, that really helps, doesn't it? 
it's going to be a great benefit to donors who want to make a real difference, have uh, substantial cash assets, mm-hmm. uh, and really want to do something in this time of need. Yeah. Now, there uh, were a couple of other um, benefits uh, for charities, uh, for donors. First of all, they increase the amount that a corporation can deduct from 10% to 25%. That's going to be important to a lot of our organizations that have a significant uh, corporate giving component. Right. And uh, there's also uh, additional benefits uh, for gifts of food inventory. Now, that's going to benefit some organizations as well. So uh, uh, finally, there are a lot of interesting benefits for organizations uh, that uh, are treating uh, nonprofits in the same way they're treating other small businesses. Right. Like loans so there are some things. loans, some yeah. grants, some credits and things like that. Yeah. So take advantage of those if you haven't yet. And I think we're going to get into a lot of more detail on this, aren't we, Jeff? In the in the future, isn't there a, like some kind of webinar or something that that uh, Bob and you are doing or something? Yeah. Right? So I want to let everyone know that Bob is actually doing. We're doing a free webinar uh, that's going to get in a much detail, much more detail on planned gifts in this crisis. That's on April fifteenth at one p.m. Eastern. Um, and so we'll send out information to you, but also come to our website and sign up for that. You can go to our uh, main website and you'll see our uh, COVID-19 resource page. Click on that and the webinar registration will, will come right up and you'll be able to register and, and be there with us on April 15th at 1 p.m. And uh, Bob will wax eloquently on how to do plan giving in a crisis. But Bob, thank you so much for being here today and kind of really going over how do you how does plan giving fit into this whole crisis? And it yeah, fascinating. It's it's absolutely you've got to do plan giving during this crisis. It's not something you defer or just let go of. Um, so. Really appreciate you being on and and really uh, elaborating on how that will help um, organizations get through this crisis and any future crisis. You know, so yeah, thank you exactly. very much. And one one thing, one thing, Jeff, I just want to mention because you yeah. didn't mention it is that the website is veritasgroup.com, veritasgroup.com. And so go to that. And there's a red bar there. You can click on on that link and get all the uh, coronavirus resources. But also there's there's a button on there for this, uh, for the webinar offer. Yep. Uh, well, yep. Great. Well, thank you for joining us and we'll see you next thank time. Thank you for joining us for the nothing but major gifts podcast from Veritas group. Richard and Jeff also write an ongoing blog that you can subscribe to for free at veritasgroup.com. Please join us again next time.